0: Hey everyone, I'm Eric Thompson, and welcome to this week's Three Shifts edition by Six Pages, the source for far-reaching market shifts and what they mean. I want to remind you that we'll be hitting pause on future Three Shifts podcast episodes for now, and that our last episode in this format will be next week on August 20th. We're interested in your feedback as listeners on what else you'd like to hear from us in a podcast format. Let us know by shooting us a note at hello at sixpages.com or DMing us on social we'll use it to shape the future of the Six Pages Market Shifts podcast. And as a reminder, you can continue to read the weekly three shifts editions and summaries of our deeply researched briefs by signing up for free on sixpages.com. All right, let's get into this week's shifts. It's August 13th, 2021. And here are the three shifts that you need to know this week. One, Apple's new child protection features and what they mean for user privacy. Two, Will Salesforce Plus become the Netflix for business professionals? And three, Amazon helps sellers resell their returned and overstocked inventory. Shift one, Apple's new child protection features and what they mean for user privacy. Last week, Apple announced three new features aimed at protecting children and reducing the spread of child sexual abuse material, CSAM. The features expected to be rolled out in the U.S. on iOS 15, iPadOS 15, watchOS 8, and macOS Monterey as early as next month, include a controversial approach to detecting CSAM on user devices, updates to the Messages app to protect children from sexually explicit images, and updates to Siri and Search to provide resources on certain searches. Apple's announcement has been met with backlash and criticism, renewing the debate around big tech's role in privacy and surveillance. The most controversial feature is the on-device CSAM detection, which determines whether images about to be uploaded to iCloud are part of a known set of 200,000 child abuse images in the nonprofit National Center for Missing and Exploited Children (NCMEC) database. Apple will alert authorities if a user is found to possess more than a certain threshold of known CSAM. The threshold is not disclosed, but Apple claims it's quote, "set to provide an extremely high level of accuracy." It ensures less than a one in one trillion chance per year of incorrectly flagging a given account, end quote. The CSAM detection works through a technology, neural hash, that turns photos into hashes, which are character strings, and matches them to hashes of images in the NCMEC database, matching even visually similar cropped and edited images. Apple uses techniques that prevent it from even seeing matches until a user meets the threshold. At that point, Apple will manually verify all the matches, disable the user's account, and alert NCMEC, which works with law enforcement as a reporting center for CSAM. There is an appeals process if an account is mistakenly flagged. Apple has emphasized that CSAM matching only works if iCloud Photos, on by default, is enabled, which means users can opt out. The also controversial Messages feature works on child accounts that are set up with family sharing where parent accounts have opted in. It uses on-device machine learning to determine whether images are sexually explicit. For a recipient, the explicit image in a messages thread is hidden, with a warning underneath an option to block the sender. If a child taps or clicks on it, a pane pops up describing that it can be harmful and tells them their parents will be notified if they view it. Similarly, a child about to send an explicit photo will be warned and parents alerted if it is sent. For 13- to 17-year-old accounts, parents are not notified, though children still get the warnings. The third update involves enhancements to Siri and Search to offer expanded resources and guidance to users asking about how to report CSAM or child exploitation. Siri and Search will also intervene when users search for CSAM-related content, explaining the topic as harmful and sharing resources for getting help. Apple's moves are viewed by some as a long time coming. Apple submitted only 265 reports of CSAM in 2020, despite its own engineer privately calling it, quote, the greatest platform for distributing child porn, end quote. In contrast, Facebook submitted over 20 million reports of CSAM in 2020. This is in large part because companies have a duty to report, but not a duty to look for CSAM, and Apple didn't look. The EU and the UK, however, have some brewing regulations that may require companies to start looking on their servers. The criticism of Apple is primarily centered on its decision to analyze the data client-side on the device rather than in the cloud. Many cloud-based platforms such as Google, Dropbox, Microsoft, Facebook, Reddit, and Twitter already scan users' files for illegal and policy-violating content, including CSAM most using a Microsoft-built algorithm called PhotoDNA, which was donated to NCMEC. Stratechery analyst Ben Thompson is calling Apple's moves a quote-unquote mistake, making the case that, quote, one's device ought to be one's property, with all the expectations of ownership and privacy that entails, end quote. He draws a bright line between user-owned devices and company-owned cloud servers. Over 7,000 organizations and individuals have signed a petition asking Apple not to implement CSAM detection or the messages feature, calling them a quote-unquote backdoor that could undermine user privacy. People have raised a specter of governments putting pressure on Apple to include non-CSAM images on the hash list. In China, for instance, Apple has been accused of giving in to government pressure to store Chinese user data and encryption keys locally in China, though Apple says it still controls the keys. Critics say that on-device monitoring could also serve as a blueprint to circumvent end-to-end encryption at the endpoints. Apple has kicked off a mini-PR campaign to clarify and defend its new features. One of its primary defenses is the narrowness of the monitoring. It only covers photos uploaded to iCloud, only hashes are matched, and only to known CSAM. For Apple, the most controversial aspect, the on-device monitoring, is what will allow it to eventually expand end-to-end encryption. Right now, iCloud photos and device backups, including messages, are not encrypted, which means Apple can already do a server-side iCloud scan for CSAM today. and apparently has before, though not in mass. Apple dropped its plans to encrypt backups in 2018 after the FBI said it would hamper investigations, but its recent moves could be a stepping stone to finally encrypting iCloud data, even after the EU and UK laws are passed. Governments around the world are largely supportive of Apple. Law enforcement agencies have been concerned about the growth of end-to-end encryption and the challenges in investigating child abusers, criminals, and extremists. Tech firms, under growing scrutiny, have lately ramped up child protections. Google recently added features to limit ad targeting for teens and made YouTube uploads private by default for children under 18, among other privacy-oriented features. Instagram also limited ad targeting for teens and made new child accounts private by default. Apple has had to walk a fine line and make some hard trade-offs to arrive at its answer. On-device monitoring and on-device user control point, rather than server-side scanning. The real question here is how much do we trust Apple? Because the slippery slope features prominently in the most cogent arguments against Apple. Will Apple hold the line if its feet are held to the fire by a government? Will it be tempted to add non-CSAM information to its on-device monitoring? How do we even hold Apple accountable? It may turn out that Apple was prescient in its decisions here, but nevertheless, it will still face a major near-term cost in user trust. To read more content related to encryption and privacy, check out our August 6, 2021, Three Shifts edition, Big Tech wants to analyze encrypted data using homomorphic encryption. In our February 9th, 2021 brief, encrypted messaging apps everywhere, privacy versus monetization. Shift two, Will Salesforce Plus become the Netflix for business professionals? This week, Salesforce announced a new business media streaming service called Salesforce Plus, which will debut during the Dreamforce conference in September 2021. Salesforce Plus will air live shows, on-demand videos, and podcasts with content for business professionals in quote, every role, industry, and line of business, end quote. Though Salesforce is expected to be targeting sales marketing, and service roles. Salesforce is just the latest organization to invest in its own captive content and media arm, following in the footsteps of Andreessen Horowitz and other VCs, Coinbase and other crypto firms, HubSpot, Robinhood, and DraftKings. Stripe also has its own publishing arm, LinkedIn has been building out its editorial team, and Peloton is becoming a global content brand extending beyond its equipment. Newsletter The Skim is reportedly considering a sale to a non-media company. Original content for Salesforce Plus will be developed by Salesforce Studios and eventually co-created with its customers and community. Salesforce has hired 50 editorial staff for Salesforce Studios, including scriptwriters and broadcast producers, with plans to hire more as it ramps up programming. Hundreds of other employees are supporting Salesforce Plus in marketing and product and digital functions. Salesforce Plus will launch with six original series, including one, Leading Through Change, a video conversation series on leadership through the pandemic, which has garnered over 700 million views across 70-plus episodes since launching in March 2020. Two, Connections, 50-plus episodes with marketers for marketers. Three, The Inflection Point, a 10-part series with CEOs sharing their backstories and values. Four, Boss Talks, A career advice series hosted by Salesforce's Chief Philanthropy Officer, and five, simply put, short form videos with practical advice for digital sales and e commerce. The sixth series will highlight individuals from underrepresented communities who are reskilling for new careers. The Dreamforce Conference will also offer four broadcast channels with over 100 hours of content Primetime, Olympic style live news and highlights, Trailblazer, learning from Salesforce users, Customer 360, Success Stories, and Industries, Industry-Specific Content. Salesforce Plus will be available online starting on September 14, 2021 and through a standalone mobile app later. Viewers will be able to customize their experience, focusing on the content most relevant to their role, for example, sales, industry, for example, financial services, or theme of interest, for example, AI. Salesforce Plus will start as a free service without subscription or third party ads, though industry observers have speculated that it could turn to sponsored content in the future. For now, its primary goal appears to be pulling more users into its ecosystem with engaging and accessible content. Salesforce is facing greater competition from Upstart CRM platforms. While still growing at around 20% year over year, it has struggled to find its next growth engine. Its $28 billion Slack acquisition which recently closed, was a play to infuse collaboration across its product suites, increase engagement, and reduce churn among existing customers. Salesforce Plus fits into its ambition to own more share of mind among professionals. It hopes to drive users to, quote, want to use our products and want to engage more with us, end quote. Content marketing is far from a new concept, but has been gaining renewed traction lately as a growth play. Serving as a conduit to customer acquisition, driving customer engagement and brand loyalty, educating the market on products and strategy, positioning companies as thought leaders, and fostering a community. In a quote-unquote cookie-less future, the players with direct customer relationships and first-party data, such as large publishers, will have greater power and leverage. It's not obvious that Salesforce will achieve its ambitions. High-quality content on the level of Masterclass and TED is hard. Certainly, Salesforce will have internal competing interests that will put constraints on its media arm's independence and its ability to produce highly entertaining content. As we've seen with Disney Plus, Netflix, and Apple TV Plus, ultra-premium content is what anchors eyeballs to streaming platforms. Outside of splashy events like Dreamforce, Salesforce may have a hard time drawing regular eyeballs to a, quote, LinkedIn feed in video form, end quote. On the other hand, it's found surprising success with its Leading Through Change series drawing on the star power of the likes of Metallica's Lars Ulrich and chef Jose Andres. So perhaps we shouldn't count Salesforce out. To read more content related to streaming and Salesforce, check out our June 18th, 2021, Three Shifts Edition, Netflix's Disney-like franchise ambitions in e-commerce, gaming, podcasts, and more. In our December 4th, 2020, Three Shifts Edition, Salesforce joins with Slack, in the battle for the enterprise against big cloud players like Microsoft. Shift 3. Amazon helps sellers resell their returned and overstock inventory. Amazon announced two new programs this week aimed at reducing product waste. The two new programs, FBA Grade and Resell and FBA Liquidations, are both housed under its Fulfillment by Amazon (FBA) program, which provides fulfillment services to sellers such as storage, picking, packing, and shipment of orders. The announcement comes on the heels of a UK report criticizing Amazon's destruction of 130,000 items per week in just one plant. Amazon has said in response, quote, we are working towards a goal of zero product disposal and our priority is to resell, donate to charitable organizations, or recycle any unsold products, end quote. FBA grade and resell will let third-party sellers resell returned items as used on Amazon rather than having them sent back to sellers or donated. Amazon will evaluate the condition of each returned item and assign it one of four grades, like new, very good, good, or acceptable. The seller can then price the used item and manage the advertising and selling process, just like a new item. The program is now live in the UK, expected to be in the US by the end of 2021, and in Germany, France, Spain, and Italy by early 2022. FBA Liquidations makes it easier for sellers to recover part of the value, typically 5-10%, to 10%, from overstocked and returned inventory. Sellers can sell their inventory wholesale to Amazon's network of bulk resale liquidation partners, avoiding storage, disposal, or shipping fees. Liquidators are contractually restricted from reselling the products directly on Amazon. The program is currently live in the U.S., France, Germany, Spain, and Italy and will roll out in the U.K. this month. Amazon previously launched FBA Donations in 2019, which donates returned and overstock items on behalf of sellers to charitable organizations. It was launched in the wake of other reports in 2019 that it was destroying hundreds of thousands of unsold products in the UK and millions of products in France. Amazon says it has donated over 67 million items to date in countries including the US, UK, France, Italy, Germany, Czech Republic, and Poland reaching a rate of 50,000 items per day in November 2020. Amazon's third-party marketplace model has been under pressure over the last two years. Its sellers have been growing restless at Amazon's growing fees, and many have defected to Shopify. Amazon announced this week that it would cover customer claims up to $1,000, which is 80% of claims, for defective products. Even products sold by third-party sellers at no cost to sellers. It may also step in to cover higher amounts if a seller is unresponsive or refuses a valid claim. This pivot is likely a proactive effort to fend off further scrutiny after two California appeals courts ruled that Amazon can be held liable for third-party products sold on its platform, most recently in May 2021. Last month, it was also sued by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, which is trying to make Amazon responsible for recalls of third-party products. Amazon's expansion of its resale and "quote unquote" circular economy services may also be an effort to capitalize on the growing secondhand movement. Consumers are increasingly seeking out sustainable products. In one survey, 78% of respondents were more likely to purchase an environmentally friendly product, and 64% were willing to pay a premium for it. ThredUp estimates the secondhand fashion market will reach $80 billion by 2029. This year has seen splashy IPOs by Poshmark. At a three billion dollar valuation, and up at a one point seven billion dollar valuation, along with a slew of financings for secondhand startups from sneaker resale to Gen Z clothing. Buyback schemes from brands like Patagonia, Arc'teryx, and Levi's are also hot. Some believe used furniture is up next, with IKEA and smaller furniture brands launching buyback programs, and IKEA opening up its first secondhand store late last year. To read more content related to Amazon's infrastructure and its third-party marketplace model, check out our August 6th, 2021, Three Shifts Edition, Why are Amazon and Walmart offering their infrastructure to e-commerce rivals? In our August 21st, 2020, Three Shifts Edition, Amazon can be liable for defective products on its third-party marketplace. That's it for this week's Three Shifts Edition. A reminder that if you'd like to read more content and you're not already subscribed, head to sixpages.com to sign up for free summaries of our deeply researched briefs and the three shifts edition straight to your inbox. Keep an eye out for our upcoming brief on what's next for quantum computing and talk to you again on next week's three shifts edition.